everyone, this is Founders365 with me, Stephen Hagti, episode 37. Today I'm joined by Ashley Hogarth, founder of Per Use. I may have, is it called, pronounced Per Use or have you come Peruse. up Peruse. I didn't yet to Brown. Yeah. Welcome to the show, Ashley, or Ash, I'm going to call you from now on. So how are you? Welcome. That was that was super slick, super professional. I'm doing good. Yeah. How are you doing? No, no, me professional, never. <laughs> I just roll into this. I don't have a script. Things go wrong. It's all good. Um, Joe Rogan podcast, just exactly, awesome. just not three hours long. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, forbid they have to listen to me talk for three hours. I, I reckon you could do that, considering we were just talking for twenty minutes beforehand. Yeah, so I'm I'm utilizing your time already. So. <laughs> Talk to me about what you're working on or what you've launched and how you got to that what, that stage already. Okay, so we'll go we'll go we'll go from inception. Um, yeah. And uh, for the for the gym goers of, of your podcast who listen, uh, they'll be familiar with something called pre workout. And th- those who don't know what that is, that's uh, it's kind of like Red Bull times by three. And so people take it before they go to the gym uh, and they they get super fired up, ready for a good workout. And I'd taken a bunch at the time. So I live in South London. At the time, my gym was in uh, London Bridge in central London. Um, and I, I'd taken a bunch of it and hopped on the train, ready to go, getting super fired up, listening to some Metallica on the tube. I'm ready to go. And then I arrived there on a Saturday afternoon and I forgot my shorts. So I am like losing my mind. And um, uh, at that point, I then I then took a, a run in my jeans. I was just, I said to the desk, I said, uh, you know, have you got any shorts? They said, Sorry, we, we don't, but we, we think that there's a shop at Canada Water you can go to. Uh, and I said, are you telling me on midday on a Saturday, there's not somewhere nearer than two stops around the tube, I can just buy some shorts. Um, so I ended up running to London Bridge. I ran over the water. I went to American Top Golf just over the, over the, over the water uh, and then ran round to Tower Bridge and back. And I went, you know what, there's, I should be able to just search on something. I should just better search. I want some shorts. Uh, and then it'll show me every every shop in the area uh, selling that thing. And so then I yeah came away. I, I actually sat on the idea for probably about a year and a half, just mulling over and going, what can I do with this? And how would I do it? And what technology am I going to use, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then about, a, I think about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, uh, I started to really consider it seriously. And then I got, got in touch with Virgin Startup. Um, and they helped me run through the process. I assume some of your guests may have used Virgin yeah, Startup. Yeah, a couple of people that have done, gone through Virgin Startup. Yeah, uh, and so I went through them, uh, and then I, I left my job uh, maybe in Jul- June or July. Yeah, mm-hmm. left in June. Um, it was a nice finish, actually, because I, I left my job and then got to go to Glastonbury, and then came back. <laughs> that <laughs> celebratory end of your yeah. career. Although it's, it's quite something to have to start a company Feeling like you do after Glastonbury. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. It's, it's quite a uh, wacky designs came out then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that. So, um, uh, so yes, yeah, so started um, and de- developed the product, uh, which was a interface for shop owners to maintain their uh, their inventory, and they could upload. Um, you know, they can manually input all their stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's the app, which the shoppers will use, and they'll they'll search. You know, okay, I want to I want to buy shorts. I'm in the area, uh, and then that'll help them see what the shop owners have have, uh, have uploaded. And that's so it, yeah, we, we launched that maybe in I say we. I mean, it's just me at the minute. <laughs> uh, the royal way. Yeah, it's the classic way. 
Yeah, it, it helps to uh, invite investors when you go. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll speak to the team. Yeah. <laughs> On the way back, having your Starbucks going. Yeah, it sounds like a great idea. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, launched in October, uh, and then my time now has just been spent getting some initial shops on board. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've been approaching the indie mums and papas stores initially, uh, and then also I'm going to start reaching out to kind of the bigger, bigger corporation, bigger retailers. Like yeah, get the big dogs on board. Yeah, yeah. And your background um, is computer science. Yeah, so to take a computer science undergrad degree, uh, that, that gave me a foundation for programming. Mm. Um, and then I took a postgrad degree. I, I, I met a lecturer. My lecturer in my third year of university who did HCI, which is like the academic term for user experience. Um, I, I really loved his course. Shout out to Matt Jones of Swansea University. <laughs> so if he's listening, I'll be impressed. What are the odds? Yeah. <laughs> you get a text tomorrow and be like, great podcast, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he put me in touch with um, St. Andrews University. Uh, I will do another shout out to Aaron Quigley there. Um, uh, Aaron, good guy. Good guy. <laughs> great guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, he put me in touch with Aaron, and then uh, I went and did a master's degree there, and that's where kind of the, the user experience background yeah. really sort of applied. So you're, um, you're, like I said before this podcast, you're ahead of a lot of founders because you're in control of the design, the creation, and all yeah. that most people are stumbling upon or, or struggling with is probably a better word than stumble upon. Has that? How much of an advantage has that been for you to get this product, to get this oh. out Crazy. So um, the, the the startup loan I took from uh, Virgin, uh, you know, so many people would have had to spend all of that on development. Uh, also, you know, I'll be I'll be honest about it. I, I took out a fifteen k loan, mm-hmm. um, and yes, some people would have had to spend all of that on development, and and probably not got the amount that I've been able to create. Yeah. I genuinely feel bad for for some founders who have these wonderful ideas and who are just held back by you know I've got no technical knowledge or I can only do the design part or this this and this you know I think I think it's um, uh, there's got to be a, there's got to be opportunity in the future I think for a company to move into that space and yeah. uh, help bridge that gap because so yeah so many people have got there's a couple of, there are a couple of companies that are doing that already um, that are offering the whole. You know, you come into us and we'll give you all the code as you want. Uh, yeah. But there's, there's always good. I think the main issue is that it's the lack of education slash knowledge in terms of what is involved in creating an app, what what they even want in it, yeah. uh, which you already knew about. So you could straight away look at it and go, "Yep, yeah, this is doable. This is not doable. This is going to take me yeah X amount of hours," um, which is great, right? Yeah, exactly. I was able to size size everything up. I, I stuck roughly to schedule. I think I over I over um, what's the word? I was going to say overflow. Overflow. Over, uh, over, over um, I came. Uh, yeah, un, un, overtime. Overtime. I went That's in, not the right um, word. Yeah, I know what you mean. This is what I meant when I said, "Thank God, there's not like three hours of this." Yeah, <laughs> me scrapping for. Ugh. Now you're thinking. I really wish Stephen edited these podcasts. <laughs> Never. Uh, so yeah, I think I, over, I went over time by maybe maybe a couple of weeks. Uh, everything else. That's uh, not too bad though, considering an app development. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, I had to make some some decisions that every kind of I think every founder has to make. Of I had some ideas of wouldn't it be great to have this from Go Live? But then you know you, you always refer back to this concept as the MVP, the, the minimum yeah. viable product. And you go, you know what? Actually, we can we can get away without that. Mm. Um, so for example, one of the early early ideas I wanted to have was 
that the app would also work for the um, the, the the shop owners, and that you'd they were able to barcode scan each of their products just to help them um, to help them register their stuff quicker. Mm -hmm. Which I think is is something I'm I've still got in development and something I'll definitely uh, flesh out. But I didn't have to have that to start with. Yeah. Something simple interface where they could just press. Okay, here's my name. Here's the name of the product. Here's the price of it. Here's the attributes and description. Uh, that's that's perfectly fine to launch with. Exactly. How were the conversations when you first started reaching out to retailers telling them about this? It's as good. Yeah, the, the difficulty we found when when the retail, if you get in front of the right people, it, it generally sells itself because for the indie, um, for the small indie stores, it's free. Everyone gets one store for free. I wanted there to be no reason not to join. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what, I set up a model where if you've got one store, you get to join for free. After that, you got to join the pro model, which is £20 a month, and that gives you one extra store, and then it's £5 per month per store after that. My, my aim was, and I don't know where this came from, but I just said to myself that I'd like to keep it cheaper than their phone bill. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. That's and, a, good, a good pricing system. And plus as well, with, uh, with £5 per month per store, it pretty much pays for itself after one transaction a month. So mm -hmm. if, you, you know, if you get in one customer, that's fine. How do we get to this question? What did you ask? I, <laughs> how did the how, when, how did the conversation with the retailers go? Yes, initial concept. So when you when you when you get in front of the right people, it it goes well, and they say brilliant. There's you know not really much barrier to entry here. Um, the difficulty we found was just getting getting to the right people. Yeah, making getting you speaking to decision makers because so often, particularly with the small indie retailers, you know you've got someone on minimum wage front of house that yeah is, they they don't care. This isn't their decision to be made, um, and so you know they're going. Listen, pal, do you want do you want a coffee or not? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't care about your app. Just, just fine. I'll give it to my manager. Yeah, yeah. That's. But yeah, the, the response has been generally quite good, and plus as well, um, to consumers, the, the response is is really quite good as well because myself to them is this isn't a replacement for online shopping. You know, mm. I, I, there's a reason Amazon is a success, is a success. Yeah. Um, uh, this is for the times when buying online isn't right for you. So either you want to see it in person first, you're in a place you don't know, you need it right away, you're in a place you can't take delivery, and so on. Exactly. For you, when you started rolling out this, were you surprised about how well it went, or were you expecting a little more hiccups when it went when it when it went live? Uh, technically, the the the. It went as smoothly as I thought. The, the technical aspect. Good political answer there. Uh, <laughs> now, as in the, the tech aspect went. Yeah. You know, it was. Uh, it, was worked. Oh, it worked. It uh, worked. I was a little bit surprised, if I'm honest. Uh, Apple do a really good job of filtering who gets on the App Store. There's a lot of mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of rules and regulation. Google were just like, cool, get on board. <laughs> <laughs> No worries, and it, I don't know if they check code base or if they oh, see wow. doing anything, you know, untoward. But yeah, there was some checks with Apple, and they even said, "Listen, you've got to change this, this, and this, or you need to tell your users this." Absolutely fine, but Google was just like, "Get on board, pal. No problem." <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, yeah, so, so technically it went fine. Uh, I think because I had subscribed to the idea, I, I fell in love with the product so much. I had a bit of a dream that. It would be, you know, I would open the doors and they would come flooding in. Yeah. But then, then that you, you know, you realize the reality of what that is. That day where you're just refreshing. And it's yeah. Like, yeah. Come on. Yeah. yeah There's a bit of that, and so um, you realize that, you know, if, if I was to sell you something for free now, mm. you'll go, well, 
hang on a sec, what's going on? Yeah, <laughs> so, what's the catch? Yeah, exactly. So uh, to, to think that retailers could just hear about me once and then be, yep, great, I'll yeah, yeah. hop on board. I think that was a bit naive of me. If I, let me step back. That was very naive of me. This, <laughs> this needs a strong sort of sales and marketing presence to, to say, okay, listen, here's what we've got. And then, you know, to, to manage that sales life cycle, you know, to yeah. expose them to the product and then go back to them maybe a month later and say, I told you about this thing, you know, would you be interested mm. in thinking about it again? Knowing that now, do you think you would have launched differently? Maybe I would have, um, maybe I would have got uh, a, a, an early adopter group set up already rather than launching the product and then trying to get that group. Yeah. Yeah. That might, that might've been different. And I think I wonder the, the battle I had was, do I try to get people enticed with the idea in, in that sense and say, listen, we're building this thing. We'd love you to be part of it early on. Yeah. Or do I say, have a look at this awesome thing we've got. Do you want to be part of it? And I, I went for the latter and I wonder, I do wonder sometimes how it would have gone if I'd have gone for the former and established that group before mm. launching. Interesting. So what do you now spend your time doing now you've launched? How are so, you running the business? So initially I, I tried, <clears throat> initially I went door to door in, in the, uh, Old school. Uh, yeah, in the shops and that was a disaster. <laughs> was, well, that's where you're just meeting, like you said, the, the low, low minimum wage. Yeah. Exactly. And so I meet these people and they just go, uh, sorry, pal. This is my decision, or I don't yeah. care. The, uh, the two, the two worst responses I had were: uh, I said to a guy, "Listen, would you mind just passing this on to your manager?" He said, "Yeah, yeah, sure, no problem." And he was ripping it up before I'd left the shop. It was, it was a little flyer I was handing to the shops, just that. Did you just turn around and go, "Thanks, mate"? <laughs> you, I mean, you could have even just waited until I left the shop. But yeah, and you could have folded it and put it in the bin. Would you have yeah. to rip it up? <laughs> Whilst making eye contact. Just yeah. ripping it. Yeah. Oh, I'll yeah. make sure he gets it. Don't you worry. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that was that was one of the worst. And then, um, yeah. and then another guy said, uh, he was actually the shop owner. And I said to him, uh, we, you know, explain what the product is. And uh, he goes, uh, what does it cost? I went, no, it's, you know, for someone like you, it's, it's totally free and it always will be. And he goes, hmm, there's always a cost. This isn't for us. No, thank you. <laughs> he just kicks me out. And I said, I mean, I can charge you if you want. That's yeah. <laughs> I can put you on the pro plan from now. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, so that, that was my initial, uh, after launch, that was my initial few, that was a few weeks before I, I went, you know what, this is, this is a disaster but you know this is the nature of starting a company is that yep. you, you test these things and, and if, if it sucks you know you, you pivot exactly. um so sorry i'm going to pop up on the screen um yeah so you pivot and so now i'm, I'm approaching it a, a little bit more uh, i want to say i'm going to say traditional sales and marketing role i i, I either email people about it and then follow up with calls mm -hmm. I, I do some cold calling i have the utmost respect for anyone who does cold calling in their job it is it is, oh god yeah and you, you, what you've got to remember is that while it's your 20th that day you're, you're feeling fatigued this is their first time hearing it so you gotta you gotta switch on you gotta yeah. be ready fired up happy to talk to them um but yeah it can get a little bit uh a little bit tough i, I think i rang one guy and he said sorry pal i know i'm at work i went 
that's why I called you. <laughs> <laughs> that's literally why I want to speak to you. I yeah. want to speak to you about your business. Yeah, I'll teach you about work. And I didn't want to call you at home. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to call your wife, but he, uh, she, she wasn't interested. So it's uh it's it's funny so now you're now how what sorts of business are you trying to attract to get on the platform then are you focusing on sort of a an area of london or, an, or london itself or specific places or specific businesses yeah so doing um <clears throat> doing london to, uh, to start with i had i had started off going listen uh, much like my open the doors and they you know they will come yeah. um i I had the idea of, yeah, listen, I'll, I'll go nationwide. You know, we'll, we'll take people we'll go from big. Anywhere. We'll go big. Yeah, we'll go big. We'll take people from anywhere. Um, but of course, you know, if you're if you're looking to prove a product to say that you've got three shops in Manchester, who's that good for? You know? yeah. <laughs> uh, so now I'm just concentrating on London. Uh, and that's both, we, we do more of a postal campaign with, I'm, I'm going to keep using we. I, I know it's very yeah, much. Yeah, I've got so used to it now that I'm just going to carry on. Um, yeah, so do a more of a postal campaign for the uh, new retailers. And what I've decided is that I'm going to give them kind of an envelope that looks like they've been invited to Hogwarts. I, w- I want something that they're nice. not going to not open, or at least just go, yeah. what is this? <clears throat> so that's Chunky mail, isn't it? That's what they call that. Say again? They, they call it chunky mail, don't they? Chunky mail. It's a little bit like that, yeah. 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 I, I looked into getting wax seals, but... Um, yeah. It's it's quite a, quite a pricey process to do on mass. <laughs> you can just get just get the actual stamp and wax, and well, just like glue it. Yeah, yeah just do it yourself. Yeah, yeah. just d- d- commit the time to doing that. I think that'd be cool. <laughs> um, so let's talk about that we aspect. So you're a sole founder. Yeah. What what made you go down the sole founder route versus the normal route where people go? Look, I want to bring on a a marketing person or a salesperson normally people bring on their weakest point normally yeah. which again normally it's probably a developer but you are the developer so yeah so so it's 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 exactly that in that <clears throat> my weakest point is probably sales and marketing it's it's something i'm the least exposed to i'm you know i'm passionate about the product but some people know the language to use how to do the right kind of sales techniques etc cetera, etc cetera. um and plus i I just always want to be friends with people. So, you know, whereas some people are great at keeping yeah, a Yeah, I'll give you 12 months free, no worries. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so some people are really good at keeping a face and, you know, just going for the sale, whereas I'm like, hey, buddy, let's, let's <laughs> you and I be pals. Listen, if you don't want to join the product, you just what about you and I just hang out the weekend? Yeah. <laughs> Why don't we go play some tennis? Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, so yeah, so the sales and marketing part is, is my weakest aspect. And... and because the product hadn't been built yet, I thought, you know what, the sales and marketing part can at least wait a little while. It's, it's going to happen, but it can at least wait. And I thought if I was to find a co-founder really early on, it's 50-50, in, in my head anyway. I think it should be 50-50. Uh, whereas if I've built a product and established a user base, it just kind of means that I don't have to give up so much equity. Yeah. Um, and maybe I'm, I'm a bit of a control freak as well. I think I like to have that at the early stages i like to know that the product is mine every decision is mine i get to see yeah. it at the end and yeah that, and you were doing the and you were doing the hard work anyway exactly <laughs> yeah so, so if you had a sales guy they'd just be like so you done that thing yet yeah yeah <laughs> uh, you know for the first few months what, what would they have done i mean yeah have- exactly no no it makes sense i think um it's an interesting topic because a lot 
you know, there's so many pros and so many cons against being a solo founder, co-founder. Uh, but I do honestly believe it just comes down to your mentality in terms of what you're what you're willing to put into it, what you want yeah. to get out of it, and where you yeah. want it to go. What one aspect where I really thought oh, I wish I had a co-founder was um, when I was working, as in literally working on my own. Mm. It's nice to have like a buddy here who's like in the trenches with me. Yeah, uh, that's when that's when things got a little tough and. Yeah, you weren't, temp weren't tempted to go for like a co-working space. Uh, so, did actually rent an office for a little while. If if any of your uh, listeners are a fan fan of the show, uh, people just do nothing. I don't know if you've yeah, seen. Yeah, I've seen. Um, that. Yeah, I rented office space where they they produce that show, and so the <laughs> cast would occasionally come in, like your buddy G and uh, Grinder and Beats. Yeah, they're lovely, lovely guys. But um, yes, yeah, so, lovely chaps. I love it. So I, I rent off a space there. A friend of mine works there, and he, he had heard that they occasionally lease out space. So what was nice is I actually got to work with him next to him for a little while. One of my best friends. Um, shout out to Steve. I don't think he's watching, but <laughs> get, him, get him subscribed when you finish yeah. this. Next him. Will do. Uh, so yeah, I got to work with him for a little while, and then as, as cash flow just started to. Um, yeah, you know, it really burns a hole in your pocket if you're not making yeah. money. Yeah, and, you know they were giving me it was mates' rates. They were giving me a, a cheap rate, but if if you can afford to lose it and you can yeah. just survive, you know, do it. That's it. Um, th there was a there was a period of time though afterwards. <clears throat> I was working out my sorry <clears throat> sorry listeners. I was working out of my bedroom, and um, yeah, it just that was mentally really tough. And yeah. Yeah, you kind of you caged in there, and I initially thought I was I was kind of spiraling a little, and I was I really thought that it was because the work I was doing wasn't great, mm. um, and it ended up just being the environment. So I, I ended up going out to coffee shops or to to pubs, uh, not drinking. If mom's listening, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> um, yeah, and, and that was great because even just by being nearby people, yeah. it's, it's quite refreshing. And the environment makes such a huge difference. God, yeah, yeah. I, I did some work recently. Um, I just did a little brief bit of contract work. Um, and I, I worked in a spot where they, did, they didn't face any windows. It's, it's a totally inward-facing desk. Oh, no. Um, you know, the office has windows, but um, their their table, you know, faced inwards. And I was saying, that, guys, how do you do this? Like, it's, yeah. And, and they probably just thought, well, we've never thought about it. Yeah. It's always um, been this way. Yeah. yeah. Working environment is really really important yeah exactly so let's talk about the future where do you want this to go where do you what's what's next what's on the big plans for you well the the typical tech in terms of the business not as in like i want to go travel thailand yeah. so. <laughs> i'm recently taken up skateboarding i really want to yeah. go um so the, the the typical tech life cycle at the minute seems to be you know ex exist making no money for three years constantly be funded do rounds of funding um and then head off to the stratosphere and i, I think that's i think that works uh, for for some companies um but i think silicon valley has done um has idolized this idea of the unicorn and so yeah. now everyone everyone chases this billion dollar company i mean just think about how much money a billion dollars <laughs> and there's a, there's a wonderful um a wonderful podcast with the guy who started Basecamp. Yeah. And he says, what's happening now is just the greed of the investors is 
pushing companies who are a hundred million dollar company, which is a wonderful number. If you, if, yeah. if I told you in 10 years, you're going to own a hundred million dollar company, you would I'll go, oh my God, it's wonderful. But they're pushing a hundred million dollar company to be a, a billion dollar company. And you know, this aggressive growth isn't necessarily good for the company, isn't necessarily good for the culture. Yeah. Um, and one thing that he highlights, which I thought was really important, is of a, of a fund of 10 companies, they'll expect two or three to make their money back. Yeah, exactly. Six or seven to, to lose, you know, to be just a waste investment, and then one to make the money back of the entire fund mm. and, and, and then profit onwards. And isn't that crazy, though, that my investors would be interested in taking my company further than it needs to go because their other investments were bad? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is is crazy. So, you know, if, if I had a profitable... I don't know, five hundred thousand pound a year company. They're going well, but we want to make you a five million pound company. Yeah. And if you know, if it's not ready for that, what's that going to mean? And so, at the minute, my my goal is to pay myself a salary. That's mm-hmm. that's my goal. Um, if it can be, if it could be a profitable company without having to do deep venture capital funds and rounds and rounds of funding, I think that would be brilliant. That would be the that be the that be the dream. But then I also understand, you know, people go the investment route for a reason. Yes. Yeah. You know, it, it gives people the, it gives people a big leap into being able to market their companies and you know to different things that they otherwise would wouldn't be able to do with just a steady cash flow income. Yeah, but I think you're right. I think there's, you know, I speak to a lot of founders, and often the thing that they come to me, one of the first questions is they're going, "Oh, we're gearing up for investment. Like, like yeah. we, need to, we need to do some strategy to make our business more profitable and all that kind of stuff." And actually, by the end of it, they realise that. If they make them, if they make their business more profitable, they don't need the investment that they want. Yeah, and it's just this, like you said, this unicorn or this shiny penny that everyone feels like they need to get. It's almost like when you're at school and it was po- that Pokemon phase. You know, yeah. everyone needed the Pokemon cards. You had everyone to get the Pokemon card. Yeah, and it's only when you step back and you're in a really nice position as well. I think because you're so integral to your own business in terms of the build of it that you know what worth other people can bring on really easily. So well, when we think about investment, it's it's something that is so bizarre. It's such a bizarre world because some of it is just like not even tangible in terms mm. of what, they, what that business can do with that investment. Um, I know there's a couple of companies out there that are VC backed um, that I know personally. And the VC has said to them, we're not going to let you die because we're in it too deep. So now they're just being pumped money to be kept alive, and you're just thinking, like, w- w- what is the end game of that? What yeah. is the? But at the end game is like you said, they're hoping that in three, four years' time, some big, bigger company yeah. is going to buy them out for a nice little sum, yeah. and they're going to run off into the moonlight or sunlight or dance on yeah. a beach or whatever. I, I think what a lot, a lot of people hear as well is when they when they think, oh, you know, my, I've been invest, you know, I might get investment of ten million pounds. They think they're rich. Yeah, and that's not how it works. No, uh, that's not your ten million. It's not going into your personal bank. Yeah, exactly. There's there's um there's a wonderful book by uh, called Lost and Founder by Rand Fishkin. He started Moz.com. Okay, um, and he and he says uh, I think he went through a round of funding and he just said people assumed I was rich. But actually, yeah. I owned a share of, a, of an expensive painting no one wanted to buy. <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got a lot of money locked in this thing that 
you know, isn't for sale. And so, uh, yeah, that's that's the reality of getting investment. You know, it's not yeah. you, you suddenly become rich. You can pay yourself a bigger salary, sure, but you've also got to set, tell your investors that I'm going to suddenly start taking rather than my 30k salary, I'm suddenly going to take 100. Yeah, yeah. No, you can't because that's 70k out of our money now. Exactly, yeah, not yours. Oh, yeah. Damn it. Have you ever seen the Dragons Den's episode where where they quiz about what you're going to spend the money on? And oh, I always used to love it when Theo would go, "What? Why should I give you sixty thousand pounds, my children's inheritance?" Yeah. You're like classic Theo line. Yeah. But it's great when they say, yeah, I'm gonna pay myself fifty grand and then suddenly all, all the all the dragons are going yeah, no, you're not. no. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. If anything, you're not gonna pay yourself for the next three years. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, so if you if your goal is to pay yourself a, a salary, a, you know, let's say a decent salary, let's give you something there. Um, what do you have to do in twenty twenty to achieve that? Like what's your how many retailers and things do you need to get on board? A fine question. So um, this, is, this has been something I've spent a lot of time thinking about and sweating over. And so if uh, so, there's a kind of critical mass, isn't there, of um, what salary I would like and what that costs per, per month. Let's let's put it at 30k, just as yep. a just nice, nice number. Number to talk about. Um, so there's a critical mass in the where enough subscribers, and if let's say we advertise the, the product. Um, how much ad revenue it can generate, you know, all these different methods of uh, gener generating revenue. There's a critical mass where that flips and says, okay, there's now enough to take as a salary. Um, and the debate I'm having is, well, okay, do I go, do I look to sell to, um, sell to retailers to, to achieve that critical mass? Or do we go for a method more like a kind of Facebook style where we say, or let's just go and have to use at whatever cost and establish yeah. a, establish a user base um and if i'm honest right now i'm, I'm still i'm in an iron about which direction to go i, I yeah uh, I, wish I, I wish i had a better answer for you there that's yeah, a good answer because i think it shows that it's not as easy as as be you know a, a normal a normal person might think oh that's easy just get some retailers on users will find the app on the app store yeah you'll make some money and congratulations, you've got a shiny app. When in reality, it's like, no, we need X amount of users to make this a viable business, realistically. And then and then it's like, oh, now I can start taking money off it. Now yeah. I can start paying myself after like marketing or whatever whatever else you're spending. Um, yeah. you know, again, thankfully, you're not paying a developer as well. Um, or maybe, you're, maybe your, your business owes you a lot as in development costs. <laughs> I'll build them later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's also another question to ask as well is um, what's the critical mass for it to, to even be a product? So mm -hmm. one of the, the discussions I've had with retailers is they don't want to join a platform where there's no customers on it and customers won't download an app. There's no stores yeah. on it. Catch-22. And how do, you, yeah, how do you solve that Catch-22? Um, so again, one of the many things that keeps me awake at night. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting product. Uh, and one that I think is is very unique as well so i think you're i think it will do very well and it's just about just about getting out there getting the ball rolling a little bit faster i suspect and uh yeah. sure nobody rips up a leaflet in front of you ever again because i think <laughs> <you're a great laughs> well i think one move i'm going to make this year is to take ownership of the social the uh, internet presence of it which i know is mm. to say as an app company but um the, the social media aspects to, to own the LinkedIn and to own the Twitter profile and say, here's what we're doing and to share yeah. our 
because I think a, a part of me as well is always a little bit, sh- uh, while I'm quite an extrovert person, is still always a little bit shy about it to say, you know, I've done this thing. Yeah, yeah. You wanna... You've got to own it. If you don't own it, no one else is going to know about it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it comes back to that thing of just, you know, wanting people to like me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I don't want them to go, this is terrible. Why, why would we use this? Uh, you know, yeah, so great. I'm... Someone else will use it. Uh, that's fine. You know. yeah. Not everyone uses Amazon, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> yeah, true. I don't believe it, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, Ash, listen, thank you so much for coming on. Um, my my last question as always is if you could give three tips to any founders out there to help them on their journey, what would they be? Three tips. Throwing you under the bus. Okay. Uh, I, well, I'm, I'm happy you went with something like that because I thought you were going to do something like, have you ever seen Inside the Actor's Studio where they give the tech <laughs> at the end? Anyway. <laughs> I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Yeah. Um, so three tips. Uh, so one would certainly be as great as you think your idea is, other people won't. And even if it's free, when I moved into the, the role of once it launched, getting people on board, I was saying to my friends, it's way harder to sell something for free than I thought it would be. Yeah, it is. I really thought I could just turn up and say, here's what we've got. Here's this idea. And they go, thumbs up. I'll see you online, but that is not the case. So that would probably be number one. Um, I can't can't speak for female founders because I I just, I'm not one, but one piece of advice I'd I'd give for the, for male founders, I think something we we particularly struggle with is uh, if we're having difficulty and, you know, we're sort of taught as young men, you, you put the lid on that jar and you shut up (laughs) and you hold it. And yes, all those. Yeah. Yeah. For, for a lot of the first, um, for a lot of the time in the first few months, you know, I was, I was really struggling to sleep and I was waking up throughout the night and not necessarily worried, but just, just, just thinking about everything I had to think about. And sometimes just to say it to people, just go, Oh man, I'm really like, this is really hard. You know, this is really tough. And you know, there's, there's a great aspect to it, but there's also some really horrible ones as well. Um, yeah, that, that, that would probably be my one. If you, if you can find someone to, you know, almost have a little session with and just go, you complain about your problems, I'll complain about mine. We'll, yeah. we'll come over a beer and just put the world to rights. Um, and then finally, uh, I think I think I'd probably go with, uh, it would be too easy to say, it would too, be too easy to say you just got to do it because that's, that's a, one a big re- request of people. Uh, I think, um, and I also imagine a lot of your guests say that, you've just got to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll, I'll I'll tweak that slightly and say there is nothing that you can't point at and just go I bet I can do that, and that's that's something I've I've discovered a lot in the past few years. Um, I, I, had, I I did that the other night with a stand-up comedy, and yeah. uh, I, I actually did five minutes of stand-up, and uh, I had in what the industry you call um, a bomb. Uh, it went terribly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah there's just been certain things you know i, I took up jiu-jitsu recently and it's just pointed stuff and going i can do that so yeah i'll give it a shot if someone else can do it i can do it i remember yeah. my brother said to me when i was younger he goes if people on jeremy kyle can can get a driver's license so can you <laughs> <laughs> so true so true <laughs> uh, bring back jeremy kyle anyway <laughs> Ash, thank you so much for coming on if anyone wants to get in touch with you what's the best way for them to do that uh i'm not gonna give out my phone number um but you can follow peruse on twitter uh twitter at peruse hq um you can find me on uh on linkedin it's always good to connect with people uh forward slash uh i mean just search ashley hogarth or peruse you'll, you'll find me um and then also our linkedin profile That'd be good. perfect 
Great. Thank you so much, Ash. You have been guest number 37 on Founders 365. Yeah. Thanks everyone for watching and listening. Yeah, thank you so much. Good luck the rest of the year.